Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com, bringing another episode of the Ready For The Draft podcast after a one-week break on vacation out in Southern California. My wife and I got to go visit friends and family. Also got to take in a USC-Utah game, which we'll be recapping here in just a little bit. So we'll be bringing recaps of weeks three and four and then we'll go ahead and take a look at what week five matchups I'll be most uh, interested in watching as as we move forward. So before we jump into the last couple of weeks and what we've been looking at, let, let's talk a little bit about Melvin Gordon for the, the Los Angeles Chargers. You know, we're talking about running backs. You know, the Jonathan Taylors, the Travis Etienne's, the DeAndre Swifts, guys like that. When you're looking at a running back and you know the different tiers and the different levels, Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, you know there's there's that level. There's a there's a certain level that they've achieved during their career to this point. You know the Le'Veon Bell was the heart and soul of the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Same goes for Ezekiel Elliott with the Dallas Cowboys. You look at that. Melvin Gordon was a tier below. So when he was off the field with his holdout, if you're talking about him not being on the same level as those two guys, what really can he do to elevate himself and elevate his stock? It's going to be out there on the field. You know, Austin Eckler, you know, only 60 yards, I believe, on the ground uh, against the Lions and only 39 yards, I believe, uh, against the Texans. So, not necessarily getting the job done on the ground, although he is an excellent pass catcher. What if Melvin Gordon, you know, after this week, say the Chargers go one and three during the four-game stretch? You know, if he waited until week ten uh, of the season, you know, who knows? You know where the Chargers would be. Who knows what you know in terms of proving his worth? Would he still be talked about as that guy on that that one peg below? Le'Veon Bell and, and Ezekiel Elliott. How can he really prove his worth? Well, during that time, when he comes back onto the field, say they go from one and three to six and three during a five-game stretch when he's back on the field. Suddenly he's running the ball 125 yards per game. Say he gets into the end zone once or twice, you know, in, in each of those games. You look at that, that running game allows to you know take some pressure off. Philip Rivers, that offensive line, you know, starts getting a little bit of momentum as well. Ball control, time of possession, ends up allowing that defense to take some breaks there so that they're able to you know, sustain some drives, allow the defense to really regroup there on the sideline and recharge. You know, a lot can happen with Melvin Gordon taking the field. He'll be able to prove his worth, I believe out there on the field beginning in, in week number five in the NFL season. I think he has more of a chance to really prove his worth out on the field than if he were to continue the holdout. I've heard a lot of people talk about holdouts. And if you're in that, that next echelon below, best way to really do that and prove your worth is going to be out there on the football field. We've already seen a one and two record there with the chargers. What if they go one and three without Melvin Gordon? Suddenly they go six and three with Melvin Gordon in the lineup. You know, and he's able to really transform the offense and suddenly the defense is playing better, as I said, then I think you, you know, that's really where you can prove your worth. And then a lot of people have talked about Dak Prescott and where he's at. 
you look at Jared Goff, you look at Carson Wentz and the contracts that they signed. Dak Prescott, you know, right now, you look at Dallas, they've brought in, they, they've signed Ezekiel Elliott, they've signed Jalen Smith, they've signed Lael Collins. Dak Prescott hasn't received the money. He's been asking for $40 million. Jerry Jones may have looked at that and said, you know what? Let, let's hold off on this right now. Let's let's have Dak prove his worth. Prove that he's really worth the $40 million. Let's offer him 30 plus. Um, but for him to really be the next quarterback on the list, you know, that may not be the best quarterback in the league. Is he really worth, truly worth that $40 million a year? You know, that's that's really I I don't see that out of Dak Prescott up to this season. You know, I didn't see enough consistency out of him. And really, when Ezekiel Elliott was out of the lineup, that offense was a lot different. And I thought, you know, Dak Prescott at times looked a little bit more pedestrian. What Dak Prescott has done this year to this point on the football field, he has proven to be one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. And I mean, you, you think about that. You know, one of the elite quarterbacks, suddenly he is proving his worth. And Jerry Jones, you know what? He's going to pay Dak Prescott. So a lot of people I've heard, uh, you know, people talking, Stephen A. Smith on, on ESPN you know, went out and, and said on his radio show that, uh, you know, Dak Prescott, you know, you're making him you know, go out and continue to play. What if he gets injured? Well, you know, the fact of the matter is, is if you want that $40 million, we're not just going to hand that to you. You know, I think that's the way that Jerry Jones was looking at it. Was he worth the $40 million? I would argue no. Up to this point, you know, this season, no, he wouldn't be worth that $40 million. He's proven his worth. He's proven that he deserves that contract. And, And I think Jerry Jones, you know, sooner rather than later should have him signed to a, a long-term deal. I would expect him to get that that done by mid-season at, at this point. You know, I, I think really when you're talking about worth, when you're looking at a lot of these different things, Dak Prescott was a fourth-round pick. So when we talk about quarterbacks, you know, Gardner Minshew was a sixth-round pick, and he's out playing the Kyler Murrays and, and, and company. Uh, Dwayne Haskins hasn't seen the field yet. Um, you know, and then Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, uh, you know, a, a, a three-year starter there for Duke. He comes in and has already looked great there for, for Duke. Um, you know, now granted he's a you know was a sixth overall selection, but you know Gardner Minshew and and Daniel Jones have seen a lot of action out there on the field, as opposed to the likes of Kyler Murray just having one year really uh, under his belt there at OU, and then Dwayne Haskins, the redshirt sophomore, one year under his belt as the uh, starter there at, at Ohio State. So when we're looking at and evaluating positions, let's not just get wrapped up in the, the guys that are going to be taken in round number one, round number two. A lot of the guys that get taken on day three are those diamonds in the rough, and those are the guys that you don't want to miss out on. So when we're talking about these, these players and we're looking at, at these, these picks and, and, and such as we go through this draft process, just keep that in mind. You know, these are some of the guys you know, that may step up. But, you know, right now, a lot of the younger quarterbacks, there's a lot of question marks. Baker Mayfield, is he, you know, is he all hype or is there substance behind it? You know, I think that offensive line needs to be upgraded. You look at a guy like Baker Mayfield and, yes, he needs to step up in the pocket. I mean, please just step up in the pocket. Don't roll out. Don't continue to to try to roll right. You're not that athletic, you know, in terms of the, the NFL game to be able to get outside. 
it just doesn't happen. It doesn't work that way. You're going to have to stay within the pocket to make the plays. At the same time, Baker Mayfield can't be running for his life. That offensive line, you know, I think John Dorsey, we're going to see him upgrade that. So, you know, you look at these these younger quarterbacks and, you know, who's may have the higher ceiling. Kyler Murray may have the higher, higher ceiling. Dwayne Haskins may have the higher ceiling. But who's NFL ready right now? Guys like Gardner Minshew, guys like Daniel Jones, who have been out there on the field for quite some time. So when we look at the quarterback position, first and foremost, I mean, I, I look at Tua Tagovailoa, and and come on, uh, you know, the 6'1", 218-pound junior, you know, this is his second full year as a starter there at Bama, and, you know, there's no question. You know, I watched him play against South Carolina, you know, 28-36, 444 yards and five touchdowns against the Gamecocks. Um, you know, he, he just, the, the poise, come on, you know, the, uh, his anticipation, the, the ball placement, you know, there was an RPO, read a quick slant, um, you know, opening in the zone, hit Henry Ruggs in stride, let him accelerate away from the defense, um, 81 yard touchdown, you know, he, he takes what the defense gives him, you know, looks downfield, will take the check down if it's there, um, you know, just so patient as well. Allows the receivers to come across the formation. Um, you know, hits them in stride. Allows them to make plays after the catch. I think that's one of the things that you can really appreciate about um, Tua's game is he does a great job throwing his receivers open. You know, and and allowing them to make those plays. And, and any receiver is going to love to have a quarterback that that's able to do that. You know, he, he does have decent arm strength. You know, shows that he's able to throw the football to the, to the wide side on a line. Um, you know, hitting his receivers, like I said, in stride. You know, the slants, he, he makes sure to, to put the put the ball out in front of them, allowing them to make plays, um, you know, further a, against, you know, Southern Miss in that 49-7 route. Um, you know, 17-21, 193, I'm sorry, 293 yards and and, uh, and three touchdowns. I'm sorry, no, five touchdowns. Uh, couldn't read my handwriting there. But, uh, you know, 48 yards in the air to rugs up the seam on a vertical route. You know, ball hung up just a little bit, but uh, allowed you know Rugs to ultimately make a play. Didn't underthrow him at all or anything like that. Um, also didn't overthrow him either. You know, perfect finesse pass down the football field. Um, you know, excellent footwork in you know in play action, uh, accurate pass down the field. You know, when you talk about the downfield deep ball accuracy, uh, that was one of the question marks with Daniel Jones. So far, so good there. Uh, Nate Stanley of Iowa. We'll talk about him here in a minute, but deep ball accuracy, not so much. And that's where I think he's going to be hurting his draft stock. But Tua does a little bit of everything. Uh, and I think that's really what is so, um, you know, it's so impressive when you watch Tua is that, you know, the, the, he just, he's like a surgeon. He's carving up defenses, taking what the defense gives him. He's not going to force a lot of footballs. I saw a stat on ESPN 54 touchdowns, just one interception against unranked opponents. I mean, come on. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's, you know, you want to talk about efficiency. You know, that's that's the way to do it right there. Um, so so Tua, obviously, is, is the guy. He's my number one quarterback. 77.7% completion percentage. That's fourth in the FBS behind Joe Burrow of LSU, who is making a good push to be the number three or four quarterback in this year's draft. Jalen Hurts and then uh, USC's uh, freshman phenom, uh, Keaton Slovis, who got knocked out of the uh, Utah game with a concussion. Um, 
but Tua is in a class of his own. I think Justin Herbert right now looks a lot like, he reminds you a lot of Josh Allen. I think he is the Josh Allen of this year's draft class. Big physical quarterback, excellent um, athleticism, um, can make all the throws. Uh, accuracy can be questionable at times. I think he, he locks on to one receiver uh, a lot, but there's a lot to like there, a lot of uh, you know intangibles uh, to go along with the athleticism and the physicality and, and, and the arm strength. Um, you know, so I, I mentioned as a number three quarterback, potentially Joe Burrow and what he's doing there at LSU second in, in the country and in, in passing yards as well at over 1500, um, you know, staggering numbers, but Jake Fromm of Georgia is right there. Uh, six, two, 220 pounds, uh, week three against Arkansas state, 17 to 22, 279 yards, three touchdowns. What's so impressive about Jake Fromm, you know, he, he doesn't have the, the the incredible size that uh, that Justin Herbert has or anything like that. But I, I think what Jake Fromm really does well, some of the intangibles, the pre-snap reads, being able to identify where the blitz is coming from, you know, and, and being able to check out of a, a particular play, reading that defense, understanding, you know, if, if it's zone, if it's man, what am I going to do with the football? Do I have a single high or, 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 or you know, single high safety? What am I going to do with the football? I, I think that's one of the things that's so impressive. He's so quick to go through his progressions as well. Um, you know, ball placement to the outside, just dropping it right in over the outside shoulder. Um, you know, on that that, that uh, Arkansas State game, a 60-yard touchdown on an out to Dominic Blaylock allowed him put the ball where Blaylock could could catch the ball and turn up field after the catch. Obviously, you know, Blaylock, a weapon that has the speed to go. Uh, play action to George Pickens up the seam, dropped the ball in over his shoulder. Uh, ball went off of his hands, but excellent ball placement there. Good footwork in the pocket. The anticipation to throw his wide receivers open as well, much like Tua. Quick release on the, on the slants. Uh, so he may not have the arm strength, but a lot of those intangibles, the anticipation, where he's placing the footballs for his receivers, I think that's something that's really impressive. You know, he's patient in the pocket, the pocket presence, some subtle movements. He and Tua are so good at that. Tua, nothing really seems to rattle this guy. Uh, he, you know, the, his ability to move in the pocket uh, is just exceptional. Um, just subtle movement to the left or, or to the right, you know, may uh, you know move forward and throw on the run, heading towards the line of scrimmage, which is a much harder throw than rolling left or right. And he makes it look effortless. Uh, you know, but Jake Fromm is right there. I think you know you, when you're talking about the number three quarterback, I think you have to look at Jake Fromm. You have to look at, at Joe Burrow now. Uh, Jordan Love out of Utah State. I haven't gotten to watch him play yet this year, but excellent touch for a guy, you know, a big man like that. Um, you know, that 6'4", 225 pounds. Uh, people are talking about KJ Costello there. I just don't see it just yet with him. Um, so I would caution people about, uh, you know, throwing uh, KJ Costello in there. I just I haven't seen the consistency out of him just yet to really put him uh, in the cards there. Um, Sam Ellinger. Let's talk about the junior there out of, out of Texas. Uh, you know, the 6'3", 230-pound junior led the, the Longhorns to a 36-30 win uh, over Oklahoma State. In that game, 20-28, 281 yards, four touchdowns, just one interception. Uh, I think when you watch him, he's such a gamer. And, and that sounds so cliche, but he, he's he's got guts. He's got that moxie, grittiness to him. Uh, very mobile, You know, not afraid to, to tuck it and run, uh, get the yardage that he needs, not afraid to take a little bit of a pounding when needed. Um, you know, I, I like the patient 
patience in, in the pocket, stands tall in the pocket, delivers his throw, not afraid uh, of, a, of a collapsing pocket around him. Uh, excellent touch uh, on a pass to Devin Duvernay, uh, the left hash to the corner of the right end zone, uh, just on this fade, just dropped it right in over his shoulder. Beautiful throw to the to the back corner of the end zone. Uh, 17-yard touchdown to Jake Smith. Uh, you know, really held the safety uh, to his right, then went back to the left to Smith coming up the left seam. Um, just put it right on a line to to his receiver. Um, you know, he 25 yards um, to the wide side to to a streaking uh, Brandon Eagles. Or he read the miscommunication between the the safety and the and the corner, and really had a wide open receiver. And a lot of times you can misfire on those throws. Put it on a line. Didn't need to sit there and, and give the the DBs a chance to recover and make a play on the football. Get it to your receiver. Allow him to get it down the field. And, and Eagles ultimately returned it. You know, seventy three. You know, seventy-three yards for the the score there for the uh, for Texas. Sam Ellinger, look, you know, when you're talking about the quarterbacks, you know, there are a lot of guys that are that are in this draft class. Most of them underclassmen. So there's a chance that Sam Ellinger could come back. Uh, Jacob Eason out of Washington, I think, is another guy who's a, a junior. You don't have a ton of game film for him, recent game tape, unless you want to go back to his freshman season at Georgia. So. You know, Ellinger may behoove him to come back for another season. You know, one guy who doesn't have the luxury of coming back for another season is Jalen Hurts. You know, they're at Oklahoma, 6'2", 218 pounder. You know, what Jalen Hurts is doing, he's putting up video game type numbers, uh, both on the ground and also with his efficiency through the air. Uh, he's just thrown 61 passes on the season thus far, you know, compared with Joe Burrow, who's leading the country with 80.6% completion percentage. But, you know, Jalen Hurts, 61 passes, completing 80.3% of his passes. I don't think that was really ever a, a question was, you know, his, his accuracy. I don't think we really ever questioned that. But I think really the biggest thing that I had had issues with was, you know, making the right reads. What's he going to do with the football? Uh, is he going to make the right reads? Does he know where to go with the football? Uh, you know, things like that. You know, is he going to be able to, uh, you know, the deep ball accuracy, uh, you know, one thing's for certain, he is a dynamic runner. You know, putting his foot in the ground very quick, you know, with his cut cutback ability. Um, had a, you know, basically 99 yards on the first drive there against UCLA. Um, you know, a 53-yard run, you know, play action. Um, ultimately pulled it and, and, and tucked it and ran to the outside. Speed down the sideline. Um, comes back, hits the tight end, Grant Calcaterra, up the seam for 30 yards. Tight end winds up dropping the football, um, but you know just continued, um, you know on a fourth and fourth and three a designed run. Um, you know he he starts to his, um, let's see, starts to his right, gets up the field, waits for the hole, then basically cuts back to the left, bursts through that hole for a thirty yard touchdown. Um, you know I, I think he's somebody who. You know, I, I don't know that he would be someone whose game would translate to the, the next level in terms of his passing because I think he's still a step behind in terms of, of being a, a quality passer. Um, I, I think he's dynamic as a runner, but you know, I, I would actually liken his game a little bit more to someone like Taysom Hill, a guy who could come in, could be an athlete, can, can play receiver, tight end, fullback, H-back, you know, running back if you need him to, and can also fill in as a quarterback in a pinch, but I just don't see Jalen Hurts 
you know, the, the decision-making, being able to, to make the right reads, um, you know, to this point, obviously 80% completion percentage, you know, I talk about knowing where to go with the football. Obviously he's hitting the receivers, um, but he hasn't really had to do a whole lot. OU hasn't really played anyone to this point and you really want to see what he's going to be able to do. Um, you know, can he put the, the football out there to those receivers, you know, CD lamb, the, the, the talented receiver, just put it anywhere near him and, and he's going to be able to haul in the football. But, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts, someone who's definitely, I think, at least intriguing some scouts. You know, all it takes is one offense to try to build, uh, you know, the the type of spread offense to uh, accentuate his his uh, his skill set. Um, and, and, you know, you could have something potentially. Um, Nate Stanley, as I said, out of Iowa, 22 of 35 um, for 201 yards, uh, had seven carries for 11 yards and a touchdown against Iowa State uh, in that win. Um, all the weather delays and everything, it finally got done by the end of the night. Uh, 6'4", 245-pound senior, 19 and, uh, I'm sorry, now 20 and 9 as a starter, touchdown in in, uh, in seven straight games. That streak was broken there against the Cyclones. Um, but really the biggest thing, you know, he does a pretty good, decent job on the short to intermediate routes. Um, you know, I, I think when he's on the move and he's not setting his feet, he'll sit there and, and have some errant throws, lead his receiver a little bit too far. That deep ball accuracy though, that's, what's going to kill him. You know, at the, at the next level, being able to push the ball down the football field, being able to take those shots and, uh, you know, Nate Stanley's going to have to prove that he can hit that that with uh, any frequency. Um, you know, Washington State's uh, Anthony Gordon. You know, this is a guy who was a three-year backup and then beat out uh, Gage uh, uh, Gerbrud, um out of uh, Eastern Washington. You know, he was kind of the guy that everyone was expecting to come in and be the, the, the starter, kind of a grad transfer, much like Gardner Minshew. But Anthony Gordon beat him out, 6'3", 210 pounds. Uh, 36 of 48 for 440 yards, three touchdowns and an interception uh, in a win against Houston. Um, did a really good job. He's another guy with the eye discipline. Held the safety in the middle of the field uh, with his eyes and went back to the receiver down the sideline on a 24-yard uh, touchdown. Very patient in the pocket. Allows his receivers to come free from coverage. Um, you know, Does a really good job uh, escaping uh, pressure in the pocket. So really good pocket presence. Uh, quick throws. Gets rid of the ball quickly. Um, then there was a, pa- a 39-yard touchdown pass to Desmond Patton, just dropped it in, out in front of the receiver, allowed the receiver to really run under the football, uh, having beaten the corner. Great ball placement. Then the next game, I didn't get to watch it, um, but uh, the very next game, nine touchdown passes, you know, a Washington State record um, versus the Bruins uh, in a wild game where the Bruins came back to win 67-63. Um, you know, I, I need to see if I can tune into that game because that was just wild to watch. I was actually in a, at a comedy club, you know, when that, uh, that game was going on, uh, was actually getting to watch, uh, Nikki Glazer, uh, and her standup. So missed that game, but I'm definitely going to see if I can get my hands on some of that footage. I want to at least watch, uh, watch some of those, those, uh, closing, closing minutes there in the, in the third and fourth quarter. Um, so if we flip, you know, flip from the quarterbacks, to the running backs. And you know the running back position what's so interesting about it is um you know we, we just talked at the at the top of the of the podcast where the different levels and the tiers are and, and you know these are guys Ezekiel Elliott and then uh you know Melvin Gordon dealing with with rookie contracts, rookie deals and 
you know, when when are teams going to take those 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 running backs? We only have one running back taken in the in round number one a season ago in Josh Jacobs, but there is a lot of talent at the running back position. Jonathan Taylor, Travis Etienne, definitely the guys at the top of the list, along with uh, DeAndre Swift out of Georgia. Uh, but then you have J.K. Dobbins, you have uh, Najee Harris, who's really asserted himself into the uh, the running back conversation at the top. You know, Zach Moss is a punishing running back. Enel Benjamin uh, is a talented receiving uh, running back. Uh, you know, Trey Sermon out of OU is a powerful back. Uh, Cam Akers, after you know a you know a, a disappointing sophomore season, really has bounced back. AJ Dillon, healthy at the running back position for, for Boston College, uh, and, and he's running the ball really well. When you look at, you know, really you have to talk about a redshirt sophomore at Oklahoma State and Chuba Hubbard, who's leading the country. You know, and, and so what happens with, with Chuba? He, he's a redshirt sophomore. You have all these other guys who are likely going to enter the draft. If I'm Chuba, maybe I stick around for one more season there in Stillwater and become the number one running back prospect in the in the country and likely a, a Doak Walker Award uh, a, a finalist. Although with the way that he's playing this year, he could very well be a finalist this year. But you look at Hubbard, 642 yards to lead the country. Mentioned Cam Akers, he's at 499 yards. J.K. Dobbins at number five, 477. A.J. Dillon at 468, he's sixth place. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, number nine overall with 440 yards on the ground. So, you know, a lot of the big name running backs are, are really getting it done, um, you know, out there on the field. And I think that's one of the things that you really want to see are, are these backs going to be able to elevate their game week in and week out? And I think the guy who definitely does that is Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. This is a guy, look, Wisconsin doesn't really play him the entire game. They don't have to. They actually have a stable of running backs now. They have Garrett Groshek. They have Bradrick Shaw. They have Nakia Watson. There are a lot of running backs in that backfield. And really, Wisconsin right now is blowing teams out. They really don't have to hand the ball off to Taylor all that much. But but Jonathan Taylor against Michigan, uh, you know, number 13 ranked Badgers at home against the number 11 ranked Wolverines. 23 carries, 203 yards, two touchdowns. Also had a catch out of the backfield for five yards. Look, he's showing he can do it all. You know, you really want to see it in all facets. He's he's an improved pass blocker. Also catching the football out of the backfield. Um, you know, here's one of the plays that I think really sums up with Jonathan Taylor. You know, run up the middle. There was really nothing there. Able to bounce outside, and then you watch his acceleration away from the defense on an 18-yard gain. Um, you know, really just turn nothing into something. And the acceleration, look, a 10, 400 meter guy and, you know, 5'11", 219 pounds, you know, the powerful leg drive. Um, and I, I think what is so impressive, he's got the lateral quickness, the lateral agility, and he doesn't lose any of that speed. Once you get him on the outside, I think what sets him apart from, from a guy like Travis Etienne, who definitely has the speed, you know, you look at Travis, you know, 5'10", 215 pounds, um, you know, but I, I think Jonathan Taylor really is a guy who, who's going to run you over. Frankly, you know, if if you stand in his way, he's going to run you over. He's going to punish you, and and I think that's one of the things that is impressive about about Jonathan Taylor. Now, Travis Etienne um, you know, is the home run hitter. He's going to take the top off a of defense. Um, you know, the vision to to really pick his way through traffic between tackles. Um, you know, very explosive downhill. Um, once he puts his foot in the ground, 
you know, he's he's uh, has the speed to go the distance. I don't know that he necessarily has the power that that Jonathan Taylor has with, with the way that he runs the football. Um, you know, Etienne, I, I got to watch Clemson take on Syracuse. They're forty-one to six, drubbing of the the orange there in uh, the Carrier Dome. 14 carries, 76 yards with three receptions for 32 yards, you know, showing that he's a, you know, an improved receiver. And so I think those two guys will battle DeAndre Swift, you know, the 5'9", 215-pound junior out of Georgia, uh, nine carries for six, uh, 76 yards, two receptions for 64 yards and a touchdown against Arkansas State. Um, excellent vision, lateral uh, agility to make cuts in the open field. Um Shows really good hands. You know, there was a, a catch that he had to make on his on his back hip, um, able to catch the football out of the backfield, turn up field and make a play. Has a wiggle, a uh, little bit of a wiggle there between the tackles. Speed uh, to the outside, vision to really see the hole, put his foot in the ground and get north and south. Um, you know, I, I think that's one of the things that I was really impressed you know, with was um, – just the, the the ability to to put his foot in the ground. You know, the hole opens up to the left. Um, you know, he's up the middle, puts the foot in the ground at the second level, makes a lateral cut to juke the linebacker down the sideline for 39 yards. Uh, there was a screen pass. Uh, you know, down the sideline, two defenders make you know tried to make arm tackles, kept his balance and the speed to go to the distance, 48 yards for the touchdown. I think his balance after contact, you know, runs through contact. That's something that you really want to see out of your running backs there at the next level. Uh, J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State mentioned him as a, as another running back. Uh, 22 carries, 193 yards, uh, and three touchdowns against Indiana. Added four receptions for 11 yards and another touchdown. You know, this is someone who is is really trying to show that he, you know, he's going to be a thousand yard rusher yet again for the Buckeyes, and he should be mentioned in this conversation. Um, you know, again, another guy has has a nice little wiggle there on the outside, uh, runs through contact. You know, the forward lead runs behind his pads, uh, does a good job following his blockers through the hole. Very patient runner. Um, he and Jonathan Taylor, I think, are two of the more patient runners in this draft class. Picks his way through traffic. Um, let's see, you know, stiff arm on the outside on, on a 54-yard run. Uh, lateral cuts to make defenders miss in the open field. Um, you know, I think those are some of the things that really jumped out for me. Now, as I go through, you know, my my notes, I, I you know would be remiss if if uh, we didn't mention Najee Harris. And look, you know, I said let's let's pump the brakes on on the Najee Harris hype because, yeah, he you know he was number two rusher uh, behind Damian Harris ahead of Josh Jacobs for Bama, but I really wanted to see what was he going to do uh, with the spotlight, you know, as the number one rusher, six two, two hundred thirty pounds. You know, you worry about okay, is this going to be another Trent Richardson? Is it going to be a Bo Scarborough type of guy, or is he going to be somebody who can really transition and make the plays at the next level? Um, you know, definitely a punishing runner, lowers the shoulder to finish runs. Um, you know, fourth and three from the 43, um, you know, a catch down the sideline. Um, you know, that was just, it, it, look, fourth and three from the 43, um, crossing route, catches the football, gets down the sideline through DJ Wonham, who's a 260-pound linebacker, threw him down at the 30, Speed down the sideline, then able to hurdle R.J. Roderick at about the 16, uh, I think it was about the 16-yard line, ran through another tackle and, and into the end zone. 
Um, just excellent power, the athleticism, that run, or that catch right there showcased a little bit of everything. He showed you the speed, he showed you the power, the athleticism to hurdle a defender, um, you know, the, again, the leg drive to, to finish the run, a uh, little bit of everything there out of Najee Harris. He's really trying to cement himself as one of the better backs and should be in conversation for, for one of the top backs in this draft. Uh, you know, set, just seven carries for 36 yards against South Carolina, but five receptions uh, for 87 yards and two touchdowns. Um, really limited as a receiver, um, you know, a, a season ago, but this year already showcasing that he can really catch the football out of the backfield. 14 carries, 110 yards against Southern Miss. Also had a reception for a touchdown in that game as well. Um, you know, I noted, you know, really runs with a low pad level, excellent balance, um, runs through contact. Jump cut in the backfield, vision to see an opening to the outside um, on a designed inside run. Um, ran an out route for a five-yard touchdown. Showed really good hands, um, hauling in a pass there on that on that play. Uh, to me, I look at Najee Harris, and he has to be mentioned in the conversation now. Um, you know, I was a little late to the party, late to the game with him, but he's somebody who definitely um, is is improving week after week. Now, Zach Moss, uh, you know, he's Second in Utah history in uh, in rushing and you know, barring any catastrophic injuries, um, I think he needs just under 200 yards to uh, to become the all-time leading rusher there for the Utes. But this is a guy who who just can't seem to stay healthy. Had a shoulder injury there against uh, against USC uh, at the start of the second quarter. Really ended his day. Um, you know, but look, when Zach Moss is healthy, more broken tackles than uh, any other FBS running back. Uh, very powerful leg drive. Um, you know, the, the, the talented sophomore linebacker for USC, uh, Pala Ie uh, Naote Ote, uh, shot in off the edge, hit his legs behind the line. He just ran right through it. The, the, just excellent balance for this guy. 534 carries uh, coming into that game for over 3,000 yards, 5.6 yards per carry, and 27 touchdowns. Um, I, I really... You know the the power the, the powerful running style for him. You know that I think that's one of the things that is very impressive. You know, very physical runner. I I just hope that he can stay healthy because if he can, I think he could definitely help an NFL uh, NFL franchise. Eno Benjamin out of Arizona State, 5'10", 210 pounds, not as big as some of these other guys. A junior could come back for a senior season. May not be a bad idea. Versus Michigan State, eleven carries for thirty eight yards and a touchdown. What's really remarkable about Benjamin? Very quick feet. You know, I noted that excellent balance, good hands out of the backfield. Um, you know, 16-yard gain, a jump cut to his right, then foot in the ground, gets up the field. Um, you know, shows a little shake uh, to get the safety to whiff on on a tackle. Uh, showed excellent effort on a downfield block to spring his quarterback, uh, the, the freshman Jalen Daniels for for extra yards. Um, I, I think Eno Benjamin. Um, there are just so many running backs in this draft class. Um, you know, especially you know a lot of guys who are juniors. And it may behoove Eno Benjamin to take a look at who is coming out. He may, you know, along with Chuba Hubbard, come back for for one more year. Now, now Trey Sermon out of OU, six foot, two hundred sixteen pound junior uh, against UCLA, seven carries for fifty one yards uh, in in that game. Very patient runner, follows his blockers between the tackles. Does a good job uh, picking up the corner blitz as well. You know, you really want to see that out of your running backs. Not really used a whole lot in the running game, but of course, with Jalen uh, Jalen Hurts only throwing the ball sixty one times, you don't see a ton of that uh, running the football. But uh, you know, Trey Sermon, 
another guy who could come out in the draft, but you know a lot of the guys up there at the top. You know, if you're a, a junior or redshirt sophomore, let's say you know you're not. You know, if you're not going to be taken, um, you know, in round one, you know, top of round two, um, you know, possibly even you know round three, then uh, you know I'd probably look at coming back. You know, and, and when you have such a log jam at, at the the running back position, you know, you're going to really you know, run into some issues there. So Chuba Hubbard, let's just talk about him for a second. 6'1", 207 pounds, retro sophomore, first three games of the season, average 22 carries, 173.7 yard, yards, and seven touchdowns, was leading the country um, in rushing yards um, going into the Texas game. You know, 37 carries um, for, let's see, what is that, 121 yards and, and two touchdowns in that game as well. Um, you know, this is a guy, very strong lower body, steps out of arm tackles, uh, foot in the ground, gets north and south in a hurry. You know, very much a one cut and go type of a guy. And uh, look, you know, we all know now why Justice Hill, um, you know, lost some of his playing time to this guy. He's actually as you know as good as advertised. Um, so that's the running back position. That's what I got to watch over the last couple of weeks. Um, if we turn to the wide receiver position now. Obviously, the wide receiver position, number one on the list, is going to be Jerry Judy. You know, 6'1", 192 pounds, out of Alabama, the junior, just six receptions for 66 yards against South Carolina. But, um, you know, he does a great job making the first man miss. We know that he's an excellent route runner. Three straight games of 100-yard yard reception, or I'm sorry, 100-yard games uh, that was snapped um, after the, the that game there against the Gamecocks, yards after contact, absolutely uh, blocked the spring uh, Henry Ruggs on that 81-yard touchdown pass that I, I mentioned. Um, there was a slant, you know, a block on a running. Uh, um, I'm sorry, there's a block on a cornerback allowing uh, springing Najee Harris uh, for a 43-yard touchdown. Um, you know, he, he's somebody who, you know, when you're you're talking about a wide receiver. You know, you've got guys who can be the vertical threat, but they're not always going to be that sudden guy in and out of their cuts. And, and I think it's special when you find a receiver who can do a little bit of everything. And that's really what Jerry Judy is able to do. He's able to create that separation and uh, you know, also can be get vertical on you as well. Six receptions, 96 yards, two touchdowns against Southern Miss. Um you know, just the, the routes, you know, his ability to, to get open, uses a quick head fake to the outside uh, to set up his post. Really, you know, that, that stem and, and able to to get a, a free release, gets to the inside on a, on a post route and really just makes it makes it look effortless. You know, really just some subtle moves to uh, to really throw the corner off. And, and I mentioned separation and Terry McLaurin. You know, I, I had him at one point penciled in as a as a first round pick of uh, Seattle Seahawks. Thought that he fit like a day, uh, a Doug Baldwin type of receiver. Um, ultimately went in the third round to Washington, but the first receiver with five receptions and a touchdown in each of his first three games in the NFL. And uh, again, one of my favorite receivers in the draft. And the big thing there is separation, his ability to to get in and out of his breaks. Uh, create separation from the defensive back. That's really what makes a difference at the next level. Um, that and take a look at what Marquise Brown is doing. You know, his first game, you know, 154 yards and two touchdowns. I want to say off the top of my head, um, in, in his first game, you know, pairing up with Lamar Jackson. So his ability to create separation deep, you know, with that deep speed. And so I've come around 
finally on, on Henry Ruggs, you know, six foot, 190 pound uh, junior there for Bama, six receptions, 122 yards against South Carolina. Mentioned that quick slant, catches it in stride, really accelerates from the defensive backs and across the field for an 81 yard touchdown. Um, you know, excellent balance after the catch as well. Um, but he's a guy who's he's able to separate. You know, the, I think that that quick acceleration, um, you know, speed kills at the next level. And and you know, Marquise Brown was able to showcase that. I think Henry Ruggs really solidified himself as probably the number two wide receiver that's going to be taken in this draft. Four receptions, 148 yards, and two touchdowns against Southern Miss. Um, you know, catch on a stop route. Um, you know, plants gets inside the corner and gets up the field for for a 12 yard gain. Um, you know, ran a slant, speed and acceleration. You know, that, that's the thing. Just get, you know, Tua just has to get get the ball in his hands and allows him to do everything else. 48 yard touchdown off of that slant. Um, at one point, the 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 broadcast. Um, let's see, was it? I think it was. I think it was ESPN that was covering the game. Um, noted that he had 72 receptions and a rush and uh, 21 touchdowns in his career. Um, you know, and then they, he happens to shortly after that run a 70, you know, a 74 yard touchdown up the seam ran by the defensive back on a slant and go um, kind of had to throttle down a little bit, turn, catch the ball and then accelerate away from the defensive back again. I think that was one of the things that was so impressive was he throttled down a little bit, you know, ultimately able to adjust to the football high point it, come back down and then accelerate away from the defensive backs. You know, they didn't stand a chance. Henry Ruggs really right now is my number two wide receiver. Obviously, we still have a long way to go in the season, but Henry Ruggs, you know, I, I think there's legit 4-2 speed there. Uh, you know, Tylen Wallace, Oklahoma State, six foot, 185-pound, uh, Blitnikoff Award, uh, you know, finalist from a season ago versus Texas. Um, you know, Wallace... You know, for him, kind of a subpar game. You know, I guess you could say five reception, just five receptions for 83 yards. When you're talking about the receivers and, and Tylen Wallace, he came into the game as a as a nation's leading receiver. Now sitting there at uh, uh, 473 total yards, six touchdowns though on the on the year, and uh, you know those six touchdowns, um, second. Yeah, tied for second in the country uh, with the likes of Jerry Judy and, and Cedric Bird out of Hawaii, who had a four touchdown game to start out the season. But, um, you know, he's he's somebody to me. I watch him run. He knows how to get open. Just the guy who just has a knack for for getting open. The route running ability is, is what's so special for him. Um, he had a contested catch. I thought what was really impressive, um, you know, adjusted to the ball. Um, on a you know, basically on a on a go route, um, able to elevate, turn you know contort his body, able to to haul in the pass and uh, you know make the catch over uh, two defensive backs. I thought that was one of the things that was really impressive. I, I think Caden Stearns was the one that was covering him and uh, was able to go up and get that football over uh, the, the 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 DB Stearns. Uh, excellent concentration on that. Good route running ability. You know, very sudden on a comeback route. Um, you know, and then extended his hands overhead um, on a play. He ran a square in, and uh, ball was kind of thrown a little bit behind him. I think they were kind of throwing the ball away from the middle of the field, uh, away from the defender. Able to extend, you know, full extension. You know, and really kind of show off his catch radius, hauling the football in, and. Uh, able to get up the field after that. So, you know, Tylen Wallace to me 
could very well end up being the number three wideout because again, separation, separation, separation. C.D. Lamb, um, you know, for for Oklahoma, uh, you got to watch him against UCLA, and uh, you know, one of the things that I'll, I'll say about C.D. Lamb, another guy who's consistent. You know, he was a guy that you know when Marquise Brown went down to injury a season ago, he was Kyler Murray's go-to target. Um, excellent route running ability. Um, you know, for another guy, you know, six two, one hundred eighty nine yards. Um, you know, the, he he starts across on a, on a drag, then ultimately gets deep on an on an over route, uh, gets wide open across the field, catch on the move, thirty nine yard touchdown. Um, you know, pitch, took a pitch, got to the edge on a fourteen yard touchdown, cut inside the defensive back on the outside for the score. Um, you know, total for him on the day, um, just one. One reception for 39 yards and a touchdown, and uh, that that carry that he had for the touchdown as well. And you know, C.D. Lamb really didn't have to do a whole lot against UCLA, but you see the the the, the ability to go up and get the football, attack the football at its highest point. The the, the catch radius is absolutely there. I think C.D. Lamb and T. Higgins will kind of be battling with each other uh, for that next receiver spot. Uh, T. Higgins, six four, 205 pounds for Clemson, seven receptions, 150 yards versus Syracuse, a downfield threat. Um, those deep throws, able to elevate over the corner, just pluck the ball out of the air with both hands, able to avoid the first man on a drag route, uh, then able to cut up the field. 50-yard uh, gain on a catch up the sideline, um, able to pluck it out of the air with his hands, cuts back inside the defensive back, um, and, and you know, really had outside leverage coming across the field, 56-yard uh, gain um, on that that play. And you know he's somebody who has the length, you know, you really question, all right, so how fast are T. Higgins and C.D. Lamb? What are their 40 times? I think that you're going to see them run under 4-5, four, four, um, which will be just fine for, for bigger receivers like them um, and, and just really dynamic, you know, playmakers. You know, LaVisca Chenault out of Colorado. Um, when you look at LaVisca and, and what he's doing, um, you know, he reminds you, you know, a little bit of a, you know maybe a, an Anquan Bolden, or a Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't know that he's necessarily the fastest guy in the world, um, but uh, you know, just uh, 12.8 yards per reception in his career is is the uh, you know w- what he's totaling right now, and uh, he runs a lot of underneath routes. You know, I think that's one of the things that really jumps out. Um, you know, he left. Um, you know, the the last game that he played in uh, with an unspecified injury, he's questionable for uh, the game against Arizona on October 5th. So durability, there are definitely questions. You know, he didn't play the entire season last year. Um, so LaVisca can definitely be a dynamic playmaker. Over 1,000 yards receiving in just nine games a season ago, had 86 receptions. But, you know, is he somebody who can be dynamic and be that that guy who's going to stretch defenses didn't really see a whole lot of that, and that's one of the things that's a little little alarming, and that's why he's kind of moving down my my draft board just a little bit. One guy who's really jumped jumped to uh, to the forefront, I think, is uh, Michael Pittman out of USC, and the performance that he had against Utah. Um, you know, the number ten ranked Utes come into the Coliseum. USC takes them out. I was at that game, and Michael Pittman, ten receptions, two hundred thirty two yards, and a touchdown in that game. Um, Obviously, a big target on the outside, um, you know. But uh, really, the what was so impressive was 
uh, his ability to just go up and and attack the football in the air. You know, he was battling uh, corners. He had a, uh, I want to say it was a 76-yard touchdown, and it was a third and 10 play and you're watching this throw and you're wondering, all right, why is he putting this up here? But you know what? He throw the football up to Michael Pittman, a guy who is, is, is six, four, 220, 230 pounds, stronger than most of the, the DBs that he's going up against. And he's out going to out jump you. And uh, he went up, went up for the football and high pointed the ball over the, the corner and, and uh, Julian Blackman coming over Blackman really kind of whiffed on him and uh, fell down and ultimately uh, Michael Pittman able to take it in for a touchdown. Also on a go route, really an inside fade. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things I, I think he does really well is, is those inside fades. But ran an inside fade route, got separation on uh, Tariq Lewis, the, the, the corner, uh, tracked the ball very well over his shoulder, made a catch um, that ultimately led to uh, Marquis Stepp's touchdown that sealed the deal for the Trojans. But uh, just a guy who was just dominant, you know, um, you know, forty-two that forty-two yard fade, um, you know, and, and a seventy-six yard uh, yard touchdown. But it just seemed like every time the Trojans needed uh, needed something, he was the guy. He was someone that they were going to be going to, um, you know, every step of the way, um, stop routes, you know, able to catch the football. Um, and, and really kind of back him, you know, there was on that stop route kind of backed himself into a touchdown or I'm sorry, into a first down, um, just really a a weapon over the middle of the field comes back to the football. Um, excellent blocker on the outside as well, uh, against BYU. Um, you know, he, he showed off excellent concentration in the corner of the end zone. Um, kind of a controversial call a little bit, you know, right foot was, went out, really did look like he was forced out by the corner, but got his left foot back in bounds, fell uh, into the corner of the end zone for a touchdown. Um, strong with the ball in his hands, as I mentioned, uh, downfield block, um, you know, against the corner in the running game. And we'll also do that to free, uh, you know, free up his, his receivers down the field as well. Um, you know, Pittman is a guy to me, I think should be a day two pick. Um, and if he falls to day three, I think someone could end up getting a steal because this is a guy who can make plays down the football field. Um, you know, Brian Edwards, another guy, you know, nine receptions, 79 yards against Alabama, uh, did a really good job using his big body, uh, to shield the ball from, from defensive backs, showed a little bit of speed on the edge finishes his runs, wants to lower the pad level, not afraid uh, to go over the middle and, and make a tough catch. Ran by Trevin Diggs uh, over the top um, on a skinny post. Um, you know, So Brian Edwards is someone to keep an eye on. And, and one final name at the receiver position, how about Sage Surratt? 6'3", 215-pound redshirt sophomore, number two in the country in receiving yards, 484, trails only... Antonio Gandy Golden, and I've mentioned him before from Liberty. He's a guy to watch out for. 24 receptions, 550, uh, 544 yards, and four touchdowns on the year for for Gandy Golden. But Sage Surratt, uh, nine receptions, 164 yards, two and a touchdown against the Tar Heels. Um, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, decent blocker on the outside. I think a lot of these big receivers do an excellent job with that. Contested catches over the middle, using his body to shield the defenders from the football. Um, 42 yard gain on a go route, uh, corner was on his hip, you know, able to show off some, some late separation, extending, you know, a, a long arm, uh, extending the ball, you know, really holding the pass over his shoulder, uh, tracked the football very well. Um, 
you know, I, I think he's he's a uh, getting better as a as a route runner. Um, you know, and just you know, not afraid to go over the middle. Not you know, he's showing that he can stretch defenses vertically. He's a name to watch out for if he doesn't decide to come out because he is draft eligible because he's um, been out of high school for three years as a redshirt sophomore. If he decides to come back, he'll be one of the guys to be talked about as one of the the top receivers in that draft class. You know, the tight end position didn't get to see you know too many tight ends play. I know um, you know Jared Pinckney has kind of struggled a little bit there at, at Vanderbilt. Uh, at one point, only had nine receptions on the year. I think that was through three games. Um, Colby Parkinson, though, you know, really kind of showing off uh, some of his receiving skills, both he and Albert Ole Boonham. Um, but in weeks three and four, got to watch Bryce Hopkins, a 6'5", 245-pound senior out of Purdue, uh, four receptions, 77 yards against TCU, showed a really good catch on an out route, able to get vertical after the safety slipped down, 38-yard gain. Uh, Grant Calcaterra, um, the 6'4", 240-pound uh, tight end there for Oklahoma, the junior uh, against UCLA, um, you know, dropped the pass. You know, and, he, and that's one of the things that I think he really needs to watch out for is the fact that he does battle some drops, battled some drops a season ago as well. Um, but uh, you know, Calcaterra is a guy who can be a weapon for you. Um, two receptions for 40 yards there in that game against the Bruins. So. We've made it through all the the skill position receivers. We kind of take a look at the offensive line now. And when we we talk about the offensive line, we're talking about offensive tackles. And uh, I I think, you know, Andrew Thomas, um, you know, 6'5", 320-pound junior there against Arkansas State, um, plays with good leverage. You know, I, I think he's light on his feet, very easy mover laterally in the passing game. Hand placement, you know, inside the framework there, you know, controlling the defensive end. Um, but also, you know, he's more, mostly known as more of a finesse tackle. Um, but I, I saw some physicality out of him. Granted, he was playing against the Red Wolves, but you know, really caving in the left side on a lot of run plays, clearing out the, the left side for the running backs, uh, really gaping holes. Both he and Solomon Kinley just really clearing the way and paving the way for for the running backs. Um, you know, another guy to keep an eye out for is Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa, six five, three hundred twenty two pound junior. Uh, reminds me a lot, like I've mentioned previously, of of, of uh, Brandon Scherf. Um, who was a left tackle there for Iowa, ultimately uh, became a guard um, and was the fifth overall pick of the, of, uh, the Washington Redskins. Uh, Wirfs against Iowa State um, showed you know good agility heading to the second level. Needs to be under control, though. Uh, was beaten by Jaquan Bailey with quickness off the ball in the, in the run game as well. Um, you know, was playing left tackle with the injury to Alaric Jackson, moved to right tackle in the second quarter in this game. And I think that's where he's a lot more comfortable um, you know, I think he has good athleticism, you know, moves well laterally, um, able to change directions, pick up the inside counter move um, that Jaquan Bailey was showing. Um, he's someone to me, I think if he can really polish the, the run game, um, you know, he's got the power, he's got the ability there. He's somebody who I think can continue to move up draft boards. Uh, finally got to watch Lucas Niang uh, out of TCU, the 6'7", 328-pound senior for the Horn Frogs against Purdue. Showed excellent leverage, getting under the defensive end's pad level, driving him back off the ball, then down the field as well. Uh, doesn't really take a deep angle on his kick slide, but sure covers a lot of ground, really beats the, the defensive end to the, to the edge. Uh, generates some movement with leverage and hand placement. Um, caved in the right side uh, to spring uh, running back Darius uh, Anderson at one point. Um, gets under George 
Karloftis. If you don't know that name, George Karloftis, he's a 260, 6'4", 265-pound freshman who's going to be an absolute stud for Purdue. But Niang really handed things to him. You know, Got under his pad level, drove him toward the sideline, away from the pocket, very good feet, sliding well, getting his hand under the pad level to stifle his rush, easily controlling him, driving him away from the pocket whenever wanted, whenever he wanted. Uh, Niang anchors very well, not easily moved, keeps his hands inside. I think Niang is definitely an ascending prospect there. Uh, a couple of other guys to keep an eye out on. Um, Koi Kronk out of Indiana, 6'5", 325 pounds, playing against Ohio State and Chase Young. Uh, Chase Young got to his outside shoulder on a couple of plays, but able to really kind of shove him and drive him up the field away from the pocket. Decent burst out of his stance um, to keep Chase Young in front of him. I thought he lunged to punch at times, would bend at his waist, but had decent feet uh, and really able to push the defensive end up the field. Uh, Julian Good-Jones out of uh, Iowa State, 6'5", 308 pounds against Iowa. Showed really active hands against A.J. Epinesa. Uh, able to climb to the second level to get the block on the linebacker as well. Uh, really needs to watch his pad level. Got a little high at times, and Epinesa would drive him back. Kick slide, you know, he was really patient. Waited for A.J. Epinesa to make a move and then show the, the footwork to be able to keep him in front. I wouldn't always recommend that. You know, it's kind of more of that mirror drill that you see at the Combine, but, uh, you know, he actually showed off some decent feet there with, with Epinesa. Josh Jones out of Houston, 6'7", 310 pounds against Washington State. Another guy who showed, you know, very, very good athleticism for a guy 6'7". Light on his feet, slides well laterally in pass protection. Uh, there's a blitz coming off the edge, was able to recover, keep his body between the defensive back and the quarterback, um, overset at times, and defensive ends able to beat him inside. Can be physical in the ground game, but you want to see him be more consistent in the ground game. I think he's more uh, polished as a pass protector at this point. And then Abraham Lucas, a lot of people talking about him, redshirt sophomore, potentially entering the draft. I think he needs to wait one more season. Uh, 6'7", 324 pounds against Houston, showed off those long arms, um, but you know, a defensive end, really a push-pull, got him off balance, beat him off the edge. Um, I, what I really liked, though, taking the speed rusher up the field, away from the pocket, showed lateral quickness to pick up secondary moves as well, uh, able to pick up inside rushers with a quick power step inside. Uh, one of the things that I was a little concerned about was some of the awareness, and, and that's one of the things maybe showing some of the, the lack of maturity at the position. Um, eyes got caught inside. Uh, and the defensive lineman was able to loop around to the outside to get pressure on the quarterback, really just missed that read. Um, at, at the guard position, Solomon Kinley out of Georgia, I think is a guy who's moving up draft boards. He should be 6'4", 335 pounds against Arkansas State. The leverage, yeah, it was beaten you know, with a quick uh, quick move for the defensive tackle who kind of spun inside off the snap. But the power, the physicality, uh, that's those are things that definitely jump off uh, game film for me. Uh, John Simpson, uh, 6'4", 330-pound left guard for Clemson. Um, gets a good push on the defensive tackle to his to his left, then able to slide laterally to pick up the linebacker back to his, to his right. Good awareness, good uh, lateral uh, agility. Shows leverage on short, short yardage plays, good leverage and pass protection as well. Um, I, I think that's one of the things for him is, is he plays with that, that lower pad level. And when he does that, he's very, very effective, both in the run game and in pass protection as well. You can hear me flipping through my notes. Um, I'm somebody who loves notebooks. I've got 
notebook upon notebook of uh, of notes. It's just something that really helps me uh, recall what it is that I've been watching. Uh, ben Bredesen against Wisconsin, 6'5", 325-pound, pulled around the edge, sustained a block on the edge uh, against the linebacker Noah Burks. I thought, you know, pretty good athleticism, good hand usage and pass protection, but uh, that line overall really got beat up against uh, against Wisconsin. Um, let's see. You know, the center position, Tyler Beattis. I, I think Tyler is still going to be the, the number one center taken probably in the first half of round number one. 6'3", 321-pound junior, started every game there at Wisconsin. Um, you know, I, I think he plays a, you know, played with a, a low pad level. Um, there was a third and short play against Carlo Kemp. Really drove him back and then pancaked him kind of as the as a lead blocker for, for the running back. Uh, showed an ability to climb to the second level, got to Josh Ross, a linebacker there, inside backer, sustained the block, um, ultimately forced a, an illegal hands to the face uh, by the linebacker. Athletic, really pulling around. Um, Carlo Kemp did shoot shoot a gap, try to shoot a gap to the inside, but really just kind of rode him up the field. Knew where his quarterback was going, able to just take him right up the pocket, keep himself between uh, the defensive tackle and the quarterback. I, I think he's number one, and Creed Humphrey's number two. I think Creed Humphrey um, probably going to be more towards the later, you know, the, the the latter half of round number one. But a guy who just the athleticism, he's the guy that that really is the uh, leader of the OU offensive line, especially now that uh, they've moved four offensive linemen on to the next level. Um, he's really the guy that's anchoring that unit now. Looking at the defensive side of the football, obviously Chase Young is the, the defensive end that you have to talk about. 6'5", 265-pound junior against Indiana. Um, you know, One of the things that was impressive was his ability to diagnose plays. You know, He, he didn't rush because he read a screen, uh, dropped, worked through, uh, you know, through the the traffic, able to drop the running back for a loss, diagnosed that play in a hurry. You saw a lot of stunts, and, and you know, he was shooting through through the B gap to shoot the, you know, to beat the, uh, the the center on one play, looped around on another stunt, shot through the gap, hit the quarterback as he throws. Very physical with his hands, and that's one of the things that you talk about. I don't care if it's Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, Chase Young; they all use their hands very well. Uh, and he's somebody who has a really high motor, keeps working to the quarterback, never gives up on a play. Uh, AJ Epinesa uh, against Iowa State had just one tackle in a quarterback hurry, 6'6, 280 pounds. Um, this is a guy who teams are really keying on him this year. You know, he, team, you know, he's not fooling anybody. Um, you know, I, I think last year you had Anthony Nelson, you had Parker Hesse, you had some of these guys to take some of the pressure off of AJ Epinesa. Now he's getting double teamed. You know, you really need. Uh, Cedric Lattimore, Chauncey Golston, and company to really step up to really help him. Uh, They're coming off the edge because he is getting seen some double teams. I think he does show a quick burst off the ball, power in his hands, gets leverage. Uh, you know, under the the offensive line, like I mentioned with uh, with, with Julian uh, Good Jones, um, able to drive him back into the backfield. Dips that inside shoulder to beat the left tackle, close on the quarterback with a slap and rip, and then you know kind of dips that shoulder. Um, but he, he's not the most explosive guy in the world, but he reminds you a little bit of, of a J.J. Watt type of a player. Um, Yeter Grossmatos, uh, 6'5", 264 pounds, uh, you know, Penn State against Pitt. 
Um, uses hands very well. Keep working to the quarterback. Bends bends well off the edge. Show that he can rush the passer both with his hand in the ground and as a stand-up rusher. Um, let's see. When you look at you know, and, and I'm just pulling up the, the stats for, for the sacks. And Chase Young tied for the uh, lead in sacks per game with, with 1.75. He has seven total sacks on the year. Uh, Curtis Weaver out of Boise State. Didn't get to watch him play this uh, in these last two uh, two weeks, but six sacks, You know, kind of off to a slow start and really has come on of late. Uh, Yitro Grossmatos, three and a half sacks thus far. Uh, on, on the year, he's tied for eighth uh, with 1.17 sacks per game. Um, so some of the big, bigger names, you know, those are guys that kind of stand out a little bit. But um, you know, other names to mention, obviously Kenny Willickis, 6'4", 260 pounds, Michigan State against Arizona State, seven tackles, a half a sack, two tackles for loss, excellent hands, um, gets his hands under the right tackle's pad level, drove him back into the into the quarterback. Uh, shot inside the right tackle and, and dropped the running back for no gain. Um, also, you know, shortly after that, shot in again uh, on the inside of the right tackle to drop Eno Benjamin for no gain. It was kind of a wide nine technique. Um, you know, reminds you of kind of a, a younger, smaller version of, of J.J. Watt. Has even that that elbow brace that, that he plays with. And uh, you know, Michigan State, the 31-10 winners over Northwestern, rebounding off of that loss to Arizona State. Willickis, three tackles, two quarterback hurries in that game. But, uh, you know, a, stood up the running back coming through the A-gap after a four-yard gain. Uses his hands um, to really turn the corner against the right tackle. Um, you know, quick hands, uh, ultimately slapping the right tackle's hands aside. Uh, dips that inside shoulder, getting a quick burst, flattening out to the quarterback. Uh, you know, I think the, the slap and rip move is something that he's really perfected. Um, and that's something that you see J.J. Watt use uh, from time to time. Um, third and two on a zone read. Really stayed at home. Quarterback um, handed it off. Went down the line to really you know, wrap up the running back for no gain. Um, just really an intelligent player. Plays with his hair on fire. And that's something that you really enjoy watching. Uh, you know, Bradley and I, uh, 6'3", 265-pounder. The, the senior there for Utah. Played against USC and... You know, I'll tell you that defensive line for Utah is stout, and they are mean, and they are physical. Uh, Brandley and I, with his 21st sack of his career in that game, five tackles and two tackles for loss, um, showed he could drop a little bit into coverage, can can rush the passer um, as a stand-up defensive end as well, can bend a little bit coming off the edge. Um, seemed to just keep shooting inside the left tackle. Uh, Austin Jackson had his had just a field day. Uh, really shoved. Uh, Austin Jackson aside, threw him down, uh, and then pursued the running back, dropped him for loss, uh, getting under the pad level, um, and then a kind of a rip move to get by coming off the edge as well. Uh, attack the outside shoulder. This was a, a really fun play to watch. Attack the outside shoulder of, of Jackson as a stand-up defensive end. Burst coming off the ball, extends that left arm into, into his chest as he's flipping his hips, bends well to get to the quarterback, um, and then ultimately threw the, the quarterback down um, you know, as part of that, that 21st career sack. Uh, Carlos Basham, if you don't know the name, get to know it. Out of Wake Forest, 6'5", 275-pound junior. Really don't call him Carlos. You know, he prefers to be called Boogie. Against UNC, five tackles, two and a half tackles for loss. Um, you know, 
you see the speed to power. That's one of the things that you see with him. Active hands as well to get off blocks. Um, you know, good spin moves back to the inside. You know, as a secondary move, that counter move. Um, dips his shoulder, getting by uh, the, the the defensive. Uh, I'm sorry, by the offensive lineman. Runs by the running back to chase down the quarterback from the backside. Gets his hand in the passing lane to knock down a, a pass on the very next play. Um, inside rush, beating the right tackle with speed. Crossing his face, getting under the pad level, uh, good hips to turn. You know, ultimately, you know, chase down the quarterback there. Double team and still able to get a spin move to the inside to flush the quarterback from the pocket. Left tackle oversets. Don't overset against this guy. He's going to explode through the gap to get to the quarterback. Ultimately, in this in this case, chop the arms quarterback as he as he was trying to throw the football. I think you know Boogie Basham um, is a guy. Ascending prospect, a guy who could come out after the, at the end of this year's draft or at the end of the season. You know, if he stays and comes back, he'll be one of the, the top defensive end prospects. Uh, and then Jaquan Bailey out of Iowa State, you know, four tackles and a pass breakup against Iowa, 6'2", 255 pounds, um, you know, second in, in Iowa State history in, in sacks. Um, beat actually beat Tristan Wirfs with quickness in, in the running game. Um, also, you know. Does a good job. He's got some decent arm, uh, arm length, getting it into the passing lane to knock down a pass there uh, against the Hawkeyes. Um, if you move to the defensive tackles, I think number one on the list has to be Derek Brown. Um, explosive both in the run run game and uh, you know against the pass. So physical with his hands. Obviously, Marvin Wilson from Florida State. I haven't gotten to see him play yet, but 6'5", 311 pounds. A lot of people talking about him. Um, a, a season ago, finished uh, the, the season with four, four tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, and just four games so far with the Seminoles. He has 22 total tackles, four and a half tackles for loss, and three sacks. That's getting it done. So I, I think he and, and Derek... Uh, Derek Brown are the two that have really stepped up their game the most. Um, but, you know, Javon Kinlaw isn't too far away. 6'6", 310 pounds out of South Carolina. Uh, four tackles and a sack against Alabama. Showed a, a excellent bull rush. Um, you know, basically took the center back two steps and ultimately dumped him uh, on the ground. Good change of direction to chase down uh, Tua for a sack. Very active hands. Um Play action by Tua, read the running back in the flat, peeled off to ultimately cover the running back. I thought, you know, really good uh, awareness there. Um, Extended his arms into the right guard to bull rush him, really drove him back into the quarterback, forced Tua to throw off his back foot in completion. Kinlaw can affect both the run and the pass. That's really what you're looking for for the defensive tackles. Can they affect both the run and the pass? If they're able to do that, then I think there's more value at the next level. Lecky Fotu. Uh, the nose tackle there for for Utah, 6'5", 335 pounds, second play of the game, and, and he he um, had a basically an arm over move on on the right guard um, and, and beat him off the snap. Big hit to to Keaton Slovis under his his helmet, you know, face mask right there into the shoulder, planted him down to the ground. Would have been a a penalty in uh, in the NFL with the full weight of his body coming down on the quarterback. You know, Keaton Slovis' head ultimately hit the ground, but it was a it was a clean hit. Um, you know, he's a he's a team captain, um, but just a guy who was just so physical. Um, the speed to power was evident. You know, just that quick burst off the ball and just really driving guys back. Bull rush whenever he wanted to, getting an excellent push up the field. 
Um, the quick penetration I thought was really impressive, getting into the backfield to disrupt a lot of the run plays, very stout at the point of attack, having to deal with quite a few double teams, and then collapsing the pocket from within. You know, if you can get a guy to collapse the pocket from within, then you know that's really gonna make quarterbacks' lives, you know, miserable. And, you know, that's one of the things I, I look at Lecky Foto. I, I think definitely pr- uh, impressive there. Uh, Raekwon Williams, 6'4", 303 out of Michigan State versus ASU, three tackles and a sack. Used his hands well to shove the left guard aside. Um, ultimately got big, got his hands into the throwing lane to, to knock a pass down. Um, you know, pad level will get high at times, will lose leverage. Um, ultimately driven away uh, out of the pocket by uh, the center, Cole Cabral. Saw frequent double teams, but a guy who's just... He's going to take up space, but uh, he also has some explosiveness, um, excellent power, and uh, against Northwestern, um, had two tackles, a sack, and two tackles for loss in that game. Excellent pursuit skills down the line. Um, does a great job, like I said, you know, holding the point versus the double teams. Gets skinny up the field, shooting gaps. Um, you know, real quick, you know, move coming off the ball to get early penetration, disrupting run plays. May not be the guy that actually makes the tackle, but he's the guy that really makes the play. Um, able to come down the line off the right guard hip that was pulling around to the left, ultimately able to drop the, the running back for a loss in the backfield. Hands into the chest of the right guard, drove him back. Powerful strike comes off, you know, really gets that guy off balance and really, you know, collapse in the pocket a little bit. Um, so these are some powerful, powerful guys. And then Raquan Davis, you know, really starting to show that he can be a lot more uh, of a complete um, defensive lineman. 6'7, 312 pounds out of Bama, four tackles and a quarterback hurry against, uh, you know, South Carolina. Uh, got off the right tackle block, speed to track down the running back for a tackle for loss on the outside. Um, stout at the point, extends those long arms into the right tackle, able to disengage, uses a, a quick slap and rip move to get off the right tackle block, flatten out to the quarterback from there, read a, a draw play, got off his block on the right tackle, uh, able to move laterally to drop the, the running back for no gain. Uh, he's somebody who really kind of had a disappointing year uh, a season ago, and I think he's he's showing out much better, um, you know, really you know, taking on a leadership role there uh, on the defensive line for the Crimson Tide. Before we move on from the defensive line, one guy that I do need to make sure that I mention had a, a sack and a half against Clemson, and that's Charlotte's Alex Highsmith. Um, you know, five sacks on the year. Uh, he's sitting there with, with Jordan Mack of Virginia, uh, six nationally in, in sacks per game. And uh, if you haven't gotten to see Charlotte play, um, you know, he's he's a lot of fun to watch you know he's somebody who just is a is a high high motor high energy guy tremendous athlete Dabo Sweeney actually went out into the media and said that this guy was one of the best players that they've played against there at Clemson uh 242 pounds has uh you know 32 tackles for loss 11 sacks so far in his career in four games for Charlotte for the 49ers, uh, 19 tackles, six and a half tackles for loss, five sacks already with a couple of pass breakups as well. Um, you know, it, it, we were talking about Marvin Wilson at defensive tackle. This is a guy uh, at defensive end and Alex Highsmith. You know, you remember 
what happened with with Marcus Davenport there at UTSA and and the the momentum that he built up, this is going to be a guy, mark my words, who's going to fly up draft boards, and we could potentially see uh, you know a Charlotte 49er not only taken in the draft. I believe that would be the first since uh, Larry uh, Ogunjobi, but um, you know a, a guy who could potentially end up working his way into the first round. Um, you know, I, I think at a minimum he'll end up being a second day pick, but I think there's a good chance that you could end up seeing him um, taken very high. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi uh, was taken in the in the third round, 65th overall uh, of the 2017 uh, 2017 NFL Draft by the Cleveland Browns. But uh, if we move along to the linebacker position, Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson, so athletic. This guy is going to be the number one linebacker taken. I mean, it, you know. I, there, there's no question about it. 6'4", 230 pounds, 11 tackles, 2 sacks, 3.5 tackles for loss in Clemson's uh, win there against Syracuse. Uh, did an excellent job spying the quarterback in the middle of the field, explosive speed to chase him down. Um, lined up a depth, came running up to the line of scrimmage, shot the A-gap, uh, dropping the running back for a loss. But I, I think when you look at him, he he's 6'4", and 225, 230 pounds. He's kind of that hybrid running back, linebacker. And, and in this new age of the NFL, that's the type of linebacker that you need, a guy who's going to be able to play you know, that safety linebacker, that hybrid position. He can play all three downs. He can play the run. He can play the pass. Has excellent range, and, and a guy who could potentially, you know, who knows what he's going to run in the forty. You know, he could potentially run, a, you know, in the, um, you know, they're they're saying potentially sub four four, which would be tremendous for a guy his size. But uh, you know, when you think of guys like Hassan Reddick and, and a lot of these different linebackers that are able to show up and really show out with all of their their athleticism. I think Isaiah Simmons is going to end up being the number one uh, linebacker taken in the draft when it's all said and done. So, uh, Wisconsin, yet another linebacker that people are talking about. Um, you know, Joe, uh, Joe Schobert, uh, Vince Beagle, there, you know, Garrett Dooley, a lot of different linebackers there. Zach Bond, 6'3", 235 pounds for Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, against Michigan, you know, he, he's, he was just so much fun to watch, you know, in every game that, that he plays. If you haven't gotten a chance to watch uh, Wisconsin play, Watch number 56, you know, seven tackles, a, a sack, two tackles for loss, two quarterback hurries in the game. He's just so quick coming off the edge. He just plays with, you know, like he's got his hair on fire at all times. He's coming off the edge, high motor, high energy guy, running down running backs, uh, you know, from the backside. Um, you know, just a guy who's just getting, getting, just seems to continue to get better. And, uh you know, a, a guy that people don't really talk about. He's also a workout warrior, uh, a guy who's really strong in the weight room. So he's going to be a guy to watch. Anthony Jennings, I think, is having a much better season uh, for Alabama against South Carolina. Six tackles, a sack, two tackles for loss, forced fumble, and a quarterback hurry. 6'3", 259 pounds. Um, does a good job attacking the outside shoulder um, You know, with a good burst off the ball, then a rip as he's turning the corner to ultimately chase down and, and disrupt the quarterback. Um, you know, I, I think he uh, also shows you know a, a different array of, of of pass rush moves, not just um, you know using a, a rip move. He'll use a, a good arm over, good slap and rip as well, um, club move. Um, uses his hands, getting off blocks. You know, I think that's really one of the things that you definitely see with with Anthony Jennings. Um, you know, had a rip move to beat the left tackle coming around the edge, got to the quarterback in the pocket, chopped his arm to force a fumble. 
Um, how about Joe Bocci there for, for Michigan State? Against ASU, 12 tackles, um, a half a sack, pass breakup, and a quarterback hurry in that game. Um, showed an ability to drop into coverage, read the quarterback's eyes, took him to the football, took off downhill, um, you know, and uh, you know, he, he does a good job blitzing, shows range sideline to sideline, uh, ultimately able to string out Eno Benjamin in that game, um, read an underneath route um, across the field, able to drop, um, read the route, got a hand up to knock the pass down. Joe Bocci, um, you know, underrated athleticism, I think. Um, Justin Sternod, um, out of Wake Forest, 6'3", 235 pounds, 15 tackles, a sack, and a pass breakup against uh, UNC. Excellent range, showed an ability to drop in coverage, decent hips, um, spying the quarterback, third down play, speed to chase the quarterback outside the pocket for a sack. And then uh, how about Patty Fisher? Uh, nine tackles and a tackle for loss in that 31-10 loss against Michigan State. But uh, you know, diagnosis very quickly, uh, moves well laterally, gets in position, um, with outside leverage, um, a guy who you know shoots shoots the holes very well, um, showed decent hips, dropping into coverage. You know that's another thing that really um, stood out. There was a pop pass as well to to Daryl Stewart uh, to the outside, ran the alley well, got to the outside, dropped him in the open field for a loss of eight yards. Um, you know Patty Fisher is a guy who I think. Um, you know, it has a chance if he decides he wants to come out because he's only a junior. If he decides to come out, he'll be one of the top linebackers taken in the draft. Uh, at the cornerback position, um, didn't get to see you know my my top corners Bryce Hall or, or Paulson Adebo. Um, did get to see Trevin Diggs though, 6'2", 207 pounds out of Alabama, three tackles against South uh, South Carolina from bump and run coverage, able to turn. Uh, turn and run with the receiver, look and lean, you know, in phase, no separation whatsoever. Um, drives on throws on 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 the out uh, on an out throw, went in motion with with Brian Edwards, third and five, bail technique. Uh, wide receiver snapped an out route at the sticks, able to flip his hips and drive to the football. Um, also showed a good job getting off blocks. Uh, to get to the receiver, he's a guy who is going to be in that conversation as a potential first rounder. Uh, Jeff Gladney out of uh, TCU against Purdue, six foot, one hundred eighty-three pounds, had two tackles, a pass breakup, and an interception. Um, stays low in his back pedal, um, has good ball skills. Also was on both the punt and punt return team as well. Um, let's see, Sean Wade, 6'1", 194 pounds, out of Ohio State. Um, the redshirt sophomore against Indiana, really starting to make a name for himself, flies around to the football, quick throws, not afraid of contact. Um, so he's somebody who I think is an ascending prospect. I thought Jalen uh, Johnson got beat a few times there against USC, you know, against those talented receivers, but uh, also showed that he was, you know, an ability to stay, uh, really not allow any separation. Um, and, you know, got called for a pass interference play that really wasn't pass interference against Tyler Vaughn's in the end zone, but, you know, really there was face guarding there. No real contact, but I, I think, you know, I think Vaughn's really initiated any contact that there was there, but um, he, he needs to really watch, you know, really look for the look back for the football. Um, and then looking at the safety position, Xavier McKinney, um, you know, he's not Grant Delpit, but he, he's really making a case to be that number two safety coming off the board. You know, he should be a first round pick. 6'1, 200 pounds, uh, the junior uh, for, for the Crimson Tide against South Carolina. Nine tackles, a tackle for loss, an interception as well. 
um, you know, comes downhill in a hurry. You know, if there's a screen or a run play to the outside, he's coming down in a hurry, um, is going to, you know, come with, with some bad intentions, wants to drill guys, wraps them up. Um, does a really good job there. Got beaten inside by Brian Edwards on a square in though. Um, but like I said, you know, read a, you know, a, a pass to the tight end, Luke Mark way in the flat, um, able to to fly downhill no yak wrapped him up and then uh you know another throw to the flat downhill to uh to Nick Muse uh was a talented tight end there for the Gamecocks got there in a hurry for a big hit for a loss of 1 yard on the play uh Greg Eisworth out of Iowa State had 15 tackles in a pass breakup against Iowa a guy who plays in the box um you know got beaten uh, on a on a stick route by by one of the slot receivers, but excellent, you know, a sure tackler in the open field, good instincts. Uh, and then I mentioned Julian Blackman. He's still learning the safety position, converted corner, 6'1", 204 pounds against SC. Uh, he was the guy that fell down on Michael Pittman's long touchdown play, um, tried to come over the top, was a little late, uh, mistimed his jump, and ultimately fell down on that play. Um Utah ultimately going down to the Trojans, thirty to twenty-three. Um, so when we look at everything here, that's kind of weeks two and, or I'm sorry, three and four that I got to watch. You know, I, I've I've always mentioned that I have a goal of watching at least one game for all one hundred and thirty FBS programs, and obviously a few of the FCS schools as well. Um, I'm at eighty-seven of the hundred and thirty, and we're at week five, so I think I'm I've got pretty good pace to go ahead and make it through all the way. Uh, so Friday's games, Friday, uh, September 27th, if we look ahead and see some of these different matchups, um, you know, we look at it, Penn State, you know, Gross Matos and company want to see what they can do against Maryland, Josh Jackson, Anthony McFarland and company, Cam Maryland rebound after that loss at Temple. Um, let's see, California, I didn't mention Evan uh, Evan Weaver, I didn't. I, I still haven't recorded. I haven't gotten to watch the game against Ole Miss. Twenty-two tackles on the day there, and also able to stop uh, the quarterback shy of the end zone on the last play of the game. They're taking on Arizona State, so you get to see Evan Weaver against Eno Benjamin. Looking forward to that matchup. And then on Saturday, OU number six ranked Sooners uh, have Texas Tech at home. Um, really want to see you know what that defense can do against the spread offense. Um, there for Tech, uh, Wisconsin at home against Northwestern. Um, you know Northwestern with that. You know it, it's a staunch defense. You know they have Greg New- uh, Newsom have four pass breakups against the Spartans. Showed excellent ball skills. He's only a sophomore, but a guy to you know a name to know. Uh, there for for the uh, the Wildcats. You know Patty Fisher. Joe Gaziano, who we really didn't talk about, um, but is a, a solid defensive end, reminds you a lot of, of Dean Lowry, who's play, now playing for the Packers. Um, can they slow down Jonathan Taylor? That's going to be the big question. Wisconsin, I really, you know, the matchup I want to see though is is Quinton Cef- or I'm sorry, Quintez Cephas, um, who's the the dynamic receiver on the outside, the vertical threat for Wisconsin. I want to see him against Newsom. See that early and often. I think that's going to be a lot of fun to watch um, as we go through the day. Early games. What are some of the other games I want to see? You know, Clemson taking on North Carolina. Uh, you know, Carolina, a, a team who's going to be a tough out for them. How about Virginia? You know, 4 0, you know, number 18th ranked Cavaliers. You know, you've got Charles Snowden, you've got Jordan Mack, guys who can put pressure on the quarterback. Um, 
there at the linebacker position. You have Bryce Hall as well. Are they going to be able to slow down the Irish? Irish played tough against Georgia, ultimately you know, losing that game. What can Bryce Perkins do against that, that Notre Dame defense? Uh, USC, 21st ranked uh, Trojans, traveling to Washington uh, to take on the 17th ranked Huskies. We've already seen what happened with USC the, the last time they traveled. They lost in overtime to BYU um, on, on an interception. Matt Fink, the, the quarterback, the third-string quarterback that stepped in, taking on the Huskies. Now, look, the Huskies in that secondary, you know, Miles Bryant uh, and company, they're going to have to deal with you know, some dynamic playmakers. Michael Pittman, you know, Tyler Vaughns, we didn't mention him, but he's a, a junior uh, wideout. Uh, there on the outside, Amon Ross St. Brown, only a sophomore, excellent slot receiver. You know, I, I think USC, they've got a, a tremendous sophomore defensive tackle uh, in Jay Tufele, who just really wasn't ever blocked against Utah. Um, he's a name to watch out for next season, uh, as is St. Brown. Uh, so the Trojans, what can they do there against Washington? Can their defense... You know, that, that uh, is kind of a bend-but-don't-break mentality. What can they do with Jacob Eason? Is Salva and uh, Ahmed, the, the running back, going to be healthy or not? That's going to be a big question there. Um, let's see. Uh, Charlotte, in, in case you want to check out uh, Alex Highsmith, taking on uh, Lane Kiffin in, in Florida Atlantic. Um, as we scroll through, Minnesota. 3-0 Golden Gophers, not always pretty, but they're still getting it done. You, know, you want to watch the receivers there, Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson. I'm hoping Car- Carter Coughlin, the defensive end, can get things going. Purdue, the super sophomore, Rondell, uh, Rondell Moore, obviously is, is a lot of fun to watch. Marcus Bailey, the linebacker there, uh, is another guy to keep an eye out for, as is Bryson Hopkins, the tight end. Um, as we scroll through, um, Liberty, you know, with... Uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden, he'll be taking on the, the New Mexico Lobos at home. Um, Auburn, they're 4-0, taking on the 3-1 Mississippi State uh, you know, Bulldogs. You, know, you want to see what that defensive line can do you know, against the, you know, the likes of, of, of Tommy Stevens and, and Kylan Hill and company there. You know, I think Auburn ends up getting the win there, especially with that defensive line. Um, Kansas State, you know, with Chris Kleiman at head coach, they're ranked number 24 in the country. They're also 3-0, taking on the 3-1 Oklahoma State. Um, Cowboys, and, and, you know, I think the real big thing here when you're looking at Oklahoma State, Chuba Hubbard, Tylen Wallace, you got to get them going. Spencer Sanders is a running quarterback. You really want to see him air it out a little bit, target, you know, uh, Tylen Wallace early and often there against the Wildcats. Um, but you know that's that's a tough team, a gritty team that they're really going to have to play well against. Ohio State going into Lincoln, uh, ne- uh, Nebraska three and one on the year. They lost that heartbreaker in overtime to Colorado. Um, you know I, I'd be curious to see what Lamar Jackson can do against some of those receivers. Um, can Khalil Davis, Carlos Davis, and, and company hand you know Mohamed Barry, the linebacker, handle J.K. Dobbins. Um, they're going to have their hands full, though, with, with super sophomore uh, you know, Justin Fields. Um, let's see. Can Florida State get back on track, get back over 500? They're at 500 right now, 2-2 two and two on the year. Taking on NC State is 3-1. and one. Um, It looks like Florida State slowly getting that build going. They're, they're being led by the, the ground game of, of Cam Akers and, and getting Marvin Wilson going um, there on the interior of that D-line. Um, you know, Washington State, 
uh, traveling to Utah to take on the number 19 Utes. You know, you really want to see Ken's, you know, is Zach Moss healthy? But tune in and watch that defense. That defensive line is going to give Anthony Gordon trouble. I think Utah ends up coming away with the victory. Tyler Huntley is a is an athletic quarterback, um, but uh, I think really it's going to be that defense. You know, I want to see how that that secondary plays. Jalen Johnson, Julian Blackman really want to redeem themselves, uh, and they'll get to, get a chance to do that against uh, Anthony Gordon, Des uh, Desmond Patton, and company there. And then rounding out, you know, you, you've got the three and one uh, Nevada Wolfpack taking on the three and one Hawaii uh, Warriors. You know, Hawaii with that that, that uh, re- dynamic receiver combo of uh, Cedric Bird and JoJo Ward going to be fun to watch. And then UCLA, you know, they're one and three. Have they salvaged their season with that big win over Washington? Is that going to give them uh, Washington, Washington State? Is that going to give them momentum? They'll be taking on Arizona, who's two and one on the year. Their only loss was uh, week zero against Hawaii. Uh, you know, getting to watch Khalil Tate, Colin Schooler, the linebacker there, getting to go up against DTR, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson there for the Bruins. So that will be kind of what to expect in week number five. And uh, that brings us to the end of the Ready for the Draft podcast. This is episode seven. Hard to believe that we're already at episode seven. We're talking about the last weekend of college football in September. Next week's going to be October. It's it, the season's already flying by. It's it's unreal. We'll be talking about bowl season before we know it. So enjoy the college football season while while it's still here. Um, you know we're going to get really get into some of the conference play there in in uh, in October, and that's really when you you want to see some of these guys have some of those breakout games. Who are going to be the guys that are going to take the take the reins and really establish themselves as first round targets? And I think when you're really evaluating a lot of these different positions, and you want to see who's ma- who's making a difference at the next level right away. You know, we've talked about some of the receivers, Marquise Brown, and you've seen what what he's able to do. You see what Gardner Minshew was able to do coming out. You know, before him, it was Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, some of those dynamic quarterbacks. You know, the, the that moxie that they have, guys that have, that have played um, you know a, a lot of football at the quarterback position, might be able to make the transition a little bit easier than some of the guy, some of the younger quarterbacks. Um, so I don't think that's going to affect guys like Tua, like I've mentioned earlier. Um, you know, and then at that receiver position, you know, the dynamic ability, you know, stretching defenses, um, you know, being able to separate, you know, whether it's vertically. Or with your routing, running ability, those are things that you're going to want to see. The linebackers, Darius Leonard, you're looking for guys who are instinctive, guys who can make plays. Who are the guys who can be that, that three-down linebacker who can drop into coverage, sideline-to-sideline side range, can cover a little bit? Those are guys that you're going to be looking for. And obviously the cornerbacks out on an island, are they able to make plays? Are there ball skills? And you know what? The guy that you also have to keep an eye out for are some of those those, those slot uh, slot corners, the nickel corners. You know, Nikel Roby Coleman, not the biggest guy in the world by any means, but a guy who is just dynamic there in the slot for the Rams. So that's kind of be kind of what I'm going to be taking a look at. I want to see whose game can really translate to the next level you know, and what we're really looking at. So in the coming weeks, we'll be having more conversations about that and what that really looks like. So hope you've enjoyed the podcast. I'm back and and really have enjoyed you know the last couple of weeks 
really bringing everything together to bring this podcast to you. Hope you've enjoyed the ride. Enjoy the weekend of college football. Obviously, you'll have pro football on Sunday and Monday as well. We'll go ahead and do this again next week. So again, enjoy your weekends. Tune in next week for the next edition of the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am Greg Schutz. Until then, everyone, take care, and I am out of here.